Hey guys, welcome to the Wellside Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm a pastoral intern at Living Word Bible Church, where I'm responsible for youth and young adult ministries. I'm also a part-time student at the Southern Seminary. Every week, I'll be sitting down with my good friend Alexi, and we are going to be talking about both the beauty and the complexity of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Hello and welcome back to episode number 15 of the Well Said Podcast. How are you doing, man? Doing good. Number 15. 15. Wow. 15. What is that? How many months is that? <laughs> Divide that by four. Uh, I think we I covered think. it in We're about almost four months. Almost in. four months, yeah. Yeah, sweet. It's kind of the, maybe sort of the conclusion of season one for us. I don't, I don't even know what that even means. Seasons, I guess it's like sections, but we're not going to take a break. We're going to keep going. But I, today it's going to be kind of the concluding episode for this chunk of episodes, this first 15 episodes. And then next time we're going to have kind of a like a, a capstone overview, fun review episode yeah. um, before diving into more stuff in August. Yeah, But we, I'm excited. We are still relatively new to this. We've hit up a lot of roadblocks, a lot of kinks here and there. We're working them out. Something, some criticism along the way. Yeah. But uh, you're not going to grow unless you're encountering pain, right, so to speak. Right. And I'm hoping, to, you know, you guys always please send your stuff in. Send your thoughts, feedback, questions. Um, we need to be more interactive. I think we're, we're busy guys and we don't spend a lot of time on like social media, per, you know, marketing this thing or sharing uh-huh. it or asking for questions. But we're asking for questions anytime, anywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you'll find us everywhere. Yep. And, and do not be shy to share it with your friends. Yes. Yep. So what is new with you, Andre? What is new with me? Well, I thought we were going to skip the what's new today because we got a, such a... I, I got a really good one. I got you got a really, really good, good one. one. <laughs> okay. So we got a dense topic lined up for you. That Well, that's what's new with me. I'm excited to talk about this, actually. I did a research paper on this subject. Uh, a, this is going to be a dense theological topic today. Um, philosophical, theological, personal... Um, I'm just excited to talk about it because I feel strongly about it, not in an emotional sense. I mean, of course, in an emotional sense, but I know my perspective and I know it well. And I actually know the other perspectives on these, this question probably better than most people who think they hold those perspectives out of those that we know personally. And I'm assuming here to the sermons of... It's fun when you know what you're talking about because yeah. a complicated subject like this often has a lot of misunderstanding. That's what's new with me. I'm excited. I got my guns loaded. So what about you? That's awesome. <laughs> got your guns loaded. <laughs> I discovered Jurassic World, the series Ju- of those movies. Jurassic oh, World. <laughs> it was beautiful. So we, me and my wife was binged it through them. It was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, the storyline was good, and for the time period when they were recorded, it was pretty good. The the, yeah. the imagery of dinosaurs it, it was all right for the yeah. recording at twenty five years ago. Yeah, it was, I was a breakthrough actually. I I could I could relate to that once I saw it. Yeah, once I saw it, and that's the benefit of being a, an immigrant nowadays is that we get to consume things that people in America worked for. 
decades. Yeah. And we can just sit down and binge, binge through all of that amazing stuff. But I got another thing, number two. I went for the gender reveal. Not gender reveal. I went for the ultrasound. Oh, 20 the... weeks. Oh, so you got, yes, you're expecting. We asked them to put it in an envelope. We're going to think about a good time to open it. Nice. I don't so know you guys don't know yet. yet if you are don't having a boy yet. or girl. Don't wow. Know. Exciting. So you're going to yeah. get us a, a special plan to unveil. Yeah. Sweet. So Sweet. we'll figure That's it out. Exciting. I'm excited. My wife is more excited to find out than I am. But Do I think I just like this. set on a certain. Yeah. And just in case I want to. I want to live with that thought for a while yeah. <laughs> before nice. it's proved wrong. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. That's uh, exciting time in life. Yeah. Really, really exciting. But back to the topic. I'm not as knowledgeable. I will be upfront and honest with our listeners, but I'm eager to learn, eager to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And um, as you so eloquently put in your paper, there was the sentence that says, if God is sovereign and predestined everything, doesn't that threaten very integrity of human personhood and responsibility? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we're going to try to tackle today. If God is sovereign and predestination is in the equation, mm-hmm. how can that possibly balance with personal responsibility, mm-hmm. personhood? I mean, it, because those two things, they just, they don't, you can't combine them. They feel like mutually right. exclusive. Right, you know, so we run into this, and uh, some some of you may know it from the for, uh, some of you may run into this from the standpoint of Arminianism versus versus Calvinist's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different names for it, but essentially, it's the same question of how can these two things that are essentially mutually exclusive exist or and, seem to be, or seem to be, or seem to be? Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, yeah. So it's and and. You have two big questions that are you're, everyone's trying to reconcile all the time, you know, and these are questions that non-Christian people wrestle with, you know, um, if there is a God, then how come there's so many bad things happening, you know, um, if there is a God who controls everything, um, how is it that he still holds me responsible, e- even if he doesn't control everything, but he knows the future, if he knew the future, why did he allow this stuff? So the nature of our freedom as individuals, as people, free will and the sovereignty of God. They're really complicated questions that have been the subject of debate for hundreds of years. Lots yep. of ink spilled over this. A lot of uh, religion professors, religious people, pastors, preachers, and on this, at the same time, a lot of philosophers mm-hmm. of just, not just in the last 2,000 years, but even before that. Right. You know, so, it, so where do we start? Where do we start, Andre, when we want to tackle this question? And I think you had a very, very great beginning in your paper. We talked about the two views of uh, libertarian and compatibilism theories. Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce those to us and kind of just give us an overview what sure. each stands for? Yep. So for those people who don't know, I just um, I'm in school for theology and ministry and stuff like that. And so we were doing a class that covered these topics we had to write a research paper on them, so that's what I did. So Alexi's referring to my paper. If you want to read the paper, you can message me and I'll send it over. It's not necessarily uh, light Sunday afternoon reading, but that's that's what you get when you take theology classes. Um, so yeah, when you talk about free will, you have two perspectives, and they are in in our church context oftentimes called labeled as the Arminian perspective on free will and the Calvinistic perspective. On free will. In if you read philosophy or theology, 
the specific terms that are going to be used are libertarian freedom, which is the Armenian libertarian perspective, and compatibilistic freedom, or the Calvinistic perspective. I don't like to use the term Calvinism just because there's so much misunderstanding and um, everything, baggage. I stick to the term Reformed theology because that encompasses more of a broad school of thought um, and it doesn't label one guy um, to the to the ideas. So, compatibilism and libertarian free will. So, compatibilism essentially says... So let's start with free will, actually. Libertarian freedom. Libertarianism, or classic Armenian perspective, essentially says um, God controls everything except human will. Um, God does not control human decisions, does not control human actions. He leaves that up to the, the, the individual people, and our actions, our uh, deeds flow only from our own will, our own uh, desire to do them. So Armenians will say, yes, there are influencing factors to our choices, you know, our surroundings, and God works through surrounding situations, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, there is no, uh, the, the ultimate why did it happen, the ultimate reason behind any action of any individual is you, your will. So your will is the source, is the sole final source of your actions. Mm-hmm. And real quick to clarify here, uh, let me clarify a question, whether it's good or bad. Right. Is that right? Right. Okay. So whether it's good or bad, it would be sole, the, the person that stands behind it is right. simply an individual. Okay. Right. The action came from the person, not from anywhere else. Compatibilism so in like philosophy, you're going to have three perspectives and in theology kind of philosophy and theology inter, inter uh, cross over all the time because they're asking the same questions. They're just taking different sources as their foundation for their arguments. Philosophers argue from human reason, from logic, you know, mm-hmm. um, and theologians argue about the same exact questions, but from the basis of the Bible, from the text. So they're essentially arguing about the same stuff. They just have different starting points. Um, so there's three perspectives really in the world of philosophy. There's the libertarian freedom, which is human free will, that we act only from our own selves. Nobody, nothing causes our actions. Our actions come from us only. Um, on the other side of the ditch is determinism. Determinism states that our actions are all predetermined, that our free will is just an illusion. It's a mirage. Uh, we are mechanical robots. We are, you know, the product of our circumstances. It's all determined. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not, um, we, our freedom is a total mirage. In the middle, you have a position called compatibilism. Compatibilism says, it's kind of a middle ground, and it says that free will and human responsibility is compatible with the idea of a determining cause. Mm -hmm. So compatibilism says you still have true human freedom. It's just freedom in light of the fact that there are other causes behind our actions. So the compatibilist says human actions are free. 
when there's no coercion. No one is forcing you. So nobody is forcing you physically. Nobody is forcing you mentally like a robot to act that you are acting out of your own free desires in that moment. Um, and that is freedom. Mm-hmm. But in the background, there could be work that, for example, from a theological perspective, God is working and causing in mysterious ways. So the compatibilist says freedom simply means the ability to do what you want. The libertarian or Arminian says, no, freedom is not just the ability to do what I want. Freedom is the fact that all of my choices only come from me and me alone and no outside force. So it's kind of splitting hairs, but it's pretty big difference at the end of the day because the Arminian perspective basically presents a theology that God uh, does not ever intervene in human decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, even though they're... But then how do, they, how do they explain the times when God does intervene? Right, they say God is sovereign, he has the power, but he has chosen to limit his sovereignty and he does not intervene in human freedom. And the rationale, of course, is this. If God is causing our actions, how then can he judge us? What basis does he have to judge us? If Mm -hmm. God caused Pharaoh to harden his heart, then how can God turn around and judge Pharaoh for hardening his heart? It's not fair. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it is Pharaoh and Pharaoh alone who, who hardened his heart. Whereas the compatibilist or the reform theologian is going to say, Pharaoh hardened his heart because Pharaoh wanted to harden his heart. But in the background, God was working in a sovereign, mysterious way. And at the end of the day, it was God who was above and over all those actions, not Pharaoh alone. Mm -hmm. Now, before we move on, I would want to make a quick thing about determinism. Determinism is the other extreme, which um, um, hyper-Calvinism, which is not the same thing as Calvinism. Hyper-Calvinism is a position that uh, moves these ideas to the extreme and says, we're just robots, everything's controlled, everything's determined. You know. Um, also, determinism is a problem with our secular world today. If there is no God, then we are all just biochemical machines. If we are biochemical machines, then we are just chemistry. And our decisions are just wired into us by chemistry and by DNA. And we think we think that we have freedom, but we're just chemical machines reacting to our surroundings. And our freedom is a total illusion. If you have an atheistic world, it is very difficult to escape this scary and uh, dehumanizing perspective mm-hmm. that we are just machines. Yeah, which so, results in with chaos. Right, and a lot of Arminians, they, um, they will accuse Reformed people or Calvinists, they will accuse Reformed people of believing in determinism, strict determinism, that we're just all robots. That's just not true, though. Heard a lot of that. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's just fundamentally not accurate. Okay. The the starting point of the Armenian position is hu- human responsibility. So we start with a logical perspective of what it means to be human, that God has given us commandments. He has said, you must obey. If you don't obey, I will punish you. And the assumption there is 
if these commandments were given to us, if we are humans who make our own choices, obviously that means that our choices come from us. They are not coerced. If our choices are influenced by outside forces, like God's sovereignty, then that destroys the the justice of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So the Arminian position starts with a, a, an assumption about what it means to be human. To be human is to be free. To be human is to be able to make free choices. And works backwards from there to defend that position and say, well, therefore God has limited himself. Therefore God does not intervene in human uh, human choices. Therefore, God has set up the universe in this way mm-hmm. that he has created us with free will. That's the starting point, and that's the whole launching pad of the Armenian position. The reform position starts with a completely different starting point. It starts with the reality of God. It starts with asking the question, what does the Bible say about God? What is the biblical data on God's nature, on who he is, what he is like, and then Flowing from that, what is his relationship to the universe that he has created? So the reform position starts with that and seeks to look at the data of the Bible and and sift and weigh and then construct from that, okay, God is this way. God is sovereign, supreme, total, just, perfect, merciful. And then it looks at the texts, you know, Proverbs 16, Proverbs 19, Ephesians 1, 11, 2 Samuel chapter 2, all these texts that are constantly talking about the fact that the Lord is working all things according to the purpose of his plan. Like there's just mm-hmm. numerous passages yeah. that just, I mean, if, it, it, if you hit on any subject of life, whether that be nature, human decisions, wars, um, salvation, spiritual forces, yeah. God is in charge of all those things. So then the reformed perspective works from there and says, okay, how can we make a, a, a answer to this free will question that fits the biblical data of what God is like? That's where I think you really see the difference in the two positions. Mm-hmm. Because quite honestly, you will not find any treatment of the question of free will in the Bible. Um, it simply doesn't talk about it the Armenian position assumes the reality of free will from passages like, you know, Deuteronomy, where it says, if you obey, I will bless you. If you disobey, I will curse you. And and the commentators and the philosophers and theologians say, well, look, if he says this, therefore it must be true that they have a free will. But there's a lot of assumptions, philosophical, Mm -hmm. non-Christian philosophical assumptions loaded there. Uh, And, which that's where I think you really see the strength of the reform perspective. Let's start with this question. Who is God? What is he like? What does the scripture say Mm -hmm. about him? And let's work from there to create a theology. Okay. That makes sense. And before we go further, quick popcorn question. Uh, Once I heard this imagery, I don't remember where as if, uh, so God owns a big house, 10 acres, and he has a little sandbox. He puts a man in that sandbox and he has, and he says, hey, you can do whatever you want in the sandbox. You have the free will. Mm-hmm. Is that essentially what, is that a correct imagery? And whether it's correct or not, which side does this portray? Armenian. Armenian side. Yeah. So how would you change the scenario if this was compatibilist? So it, compatibilism. It, it, wouldn't, it just wouldn't fit. So the, the big 
we have this this whole debate it opens up how many assumptions we have loaded into our minds mm -hmm. that are non-christian that are just western philosophical assumptions about human nature and human freedom because throughout all of the history of western civilizations and the philosophy of the west um everything is built around the individual the logic of our whole you know culture is built around the individual and the power of the individual Whereas, and so in a, in, within all this, there have been all these different th views of God, that God has wound up the clock of the universe and left it ticking, that God has created the laws of nature and that nature basically runs on its own, you know, that God has kind of created the world and, you know, set it off. Mm-hmm. When you look at the biblical data of who God is and what he's like and his relationship to the universe, you, and even if you read the first two chapters of Genesis, you realize that there's no such thing as even laws of nature, strictly speaking. Yes, nature operates by predictable patterns, but those patterns are not independent of God. So the Psalms, when you read the Psalms and you say it is, it's constantly the, the, the psalmist is talking about the fact that it is the Lord in his power who causes the moving of the stars and the galaxies mm -hmm. and the rising of the mist and the falling of the rains. Yeah. Like God is intimately and intricately connected to absolutely every single detail of his universe if Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that in Christ all things hold together. So a truly Christian theology starts with this. It starts with not a mechanical universe. It starts with a deeply personal universe that God is in charge and involved in some mysterious way at the subatomic level that God is holding the universe mm -hmm. together and making it work every single day that he is not distant that he's not wound it up and left it running. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so from there, you start to realize that God does not have to leave me alone for something to be like a truly caused action by me. Like, hmm. actually, there's no such thing. Like, like, the reason that my eyes and my brain is working and my heart is pumping is because Christ is working that. He's running the universe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there isn't freedom in that sense, like where it's like God is hands off. You know, mm -hmm. so he doesn't necessarily leave us in. The there is sandbox no sandbox. Yet. There is there is no there's nothing that he isn't controlled in. Mm -hmm. in, in there's nothing that yeah. he is in, not involved in. His involvement is there. Okay, glad we clarified it. So going on to the next question. So if we're looking at the compatibilism theory of free will, on one hand we have the sovereignty and predestination, as you've mentioned, many. All throughout the Bible, from the beginning to the very end, it's described, it's mentioned. We see how it works. And at the same time, we have the responsibility of man. Right. So the essential question we run into, if God is the one working in the background, why should I be responsible for the or end how, result? Yeah, and how he, can he hold me responsible? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Exactly. I guess, yeah, because the question of fairness arises. Right. It's not fair. Right. Right. So right. How, do, how would you and again, walk me through it? Right. Perfect. So again, here you see... Western philosophical assumptions bleeding through Christian theology. The basis of justice here in this scenario is the fact that my choice is free. So it is caused by me and me alone. I am a self-causing agent as a human being. Therefore, God can judge me, right? But if we 
realize that even our sense of logic and rationality is deeply flawed. We can't build philosophy just based on our own logic, right? That's why mm -hmm. you have to have revelation. That's why God has to speak to us into our fallen state and help us realize what is true logic, what is true rationality. And so when you look at the Bible and you ask this question, you ask the question, what is the basis of judgment in the Bible? Does the Bible say that the basis of God judging us is that we have libertarian free will, that we have the freedom to self-direct uh, our destiny and to make choices that are completely uncaused by any outside force? Not necessarily. The reason for judgment, especially um, passages like Romans chapter 1, the rationality of judgment, the basis of judgment, is that God has created us in his image, that he has given us this capacity to relate to him, to relate to his world, that he is creator and we are creature, and therefore we stand under judgment of him. The automatic reality of him evaluating us is not that we have free will, it's that he has created us, is that we are his creatures, and that he has named us. And so I think actually philosophically, the reform perspective actually works better here because here you're getting at kind of deeper philosophical issues like, you know, what is the basis of being human? What mm -hmm. is the basis of how do I know that being human is a real thing? How do I know that it's I, I am significant? How do I know that my choices matter? How do I know that my life is important? So again, free will is the answer from the Arminian perspective because you have freedom, because God gave you freedom. But the reform perspective would answer a little bit differently. It would say the basis of your humanity, the basis of your worth, the basis of your importance is that God has told you that you are responsible that he has named you as a creature and said, you are the creature that is the crowning glory of my creation, and I want to enter into covenant with you. So the classic criticism is, well, if all God controls everything, then we're just puppets. He's just controlling us. His plan is just fulfilled, and nobody can ever change his plan, and we're just puppets down here, you know, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And th the reason that is bad is because it, it demeans us. It makes us, and it, it takes away our humanity, right? Because no longer do we matter anymore. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it, the most, the most, the biggest problem with that idea is not even us, it's God. What we're saying is that if we are puppets, then God is choosing to enter into relationships with puppets. God is the real fool in that mm -hmm. picture. Now, the Bible does not present a God who has fake relationships with human beings. When you look at the biblical stories, God weeps over the sins of men. Mm -hmm. God is brokenhearted. And yet it says that he is in control. And yet he is looking down at them. And uh, if you look at Genesis, right? So God's relationship is very real, even though his total sovereignty is also very real. Mm-hmm. And how do you reconcile the two? That's where the mystery comes in. But the basis of our humanity is not a coming from free will. The basis of our humanity is that the God of the universe has turned his face to us and said, you are my crowning glory. You are my creature. I want to enter into covenant with you. I want you to know my love. 
And that's mm-hmm. our basis. How do I know I'm human? Because God has chosen to work with me, to talk to me. Mm-hmm. God has named me. And we would say he wouldn't if we weren't. Right. Okay. Because God does not enter into relationships with puppets. Yeah. So at the end of the day, our responsibility, you said, comes from the fact that we are God's creation. Has it, it, it's not, it doesn't find its base in the fact that we have free will, let's say, like, it, like we see it in a Manian perspective. Right. But then it doesn't, for example, in this case, it doesn't sound sufficient enough to me. Why would he judge us just because we are his creation? That, well, you can even flip, it, mm-hmm. the, flip the question on its head. Why would he not judge us if we are his creation? The artist stands back and looks at what he has made and he evaluates it. Why would he, if we are truly his creatures and if we matter to him and if we are the miracle of his creation, mm-hmm. why would he not judge okay. us? Okay, all right, let's look at it from that standpoint. So let's look at Israelites. Mm-hmm. If you do good, you're prospering. If you're doing bad, if you're not obeying, you get punished. Mm-hmm. So that's the logic that we see in Old Testament. Right, in it's, the whole Bible. We were not, yeah, in the whole Bible. We're not making this up. It's not a concept that we, with our sinful minds, are coming up with. This is how... Oh, this is how, let's say, the concept of punishment and uh, blessing is shown right. to us, whether you're obeying or not. Right. So that makes clear logical sense. Right. Why does that, why, why can't we apply that to the idea of being responsible? Why are we only applying the fact that we're responsible just because we're his creation? Why are we not adding this, uh, let's say, asterisk and saying, if we're obeying and if we're not obeying? Well, you know what I mean? No, but that the reason that he can tell us obey me and if you disobey me, I will curse you and if you if you obey me, I will bless you. The basis of that whole covenant relationship, that is a covenant that God is entering with his people. The basis of that covenant is he is their God and they are his people. So, the assumption there is that God has created us for okay. his glory and that he has created us for relationship with him. And, and therefore, he judges us. Therefore, he calls us to obedience. And the funny thing is in those texts when Moses says, obey. And then Moses also says, hey, guess what? Because you have a sinful heart, you won't obey. And they're like, no, we will, we will. And he says, no, you won't. You're powerless. And, and so this is definitely the tension. This is the tension point. But the, the Reformed answer to that tension point is to say, look, nowhere in the Bible, so we are the creation of God. What does it mean to be creation? Nowhere in the Bible does the idea of creation mean autonomy. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that to be created of God is to be independent of him. It's not a clock that he wound up and left. Constantly, the Bible is full of imagery that the Lord has created this world and that he owns it, that he runs it, that he is part of it, that he is connected to it. The Arminian position has to create this this philosophical idea that God has chosen to limit his sovereignty. So the, the Arminian always would say, yes, he is sovereign over everything except human decisions. Yes, he's sovereign over everything except human decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing to me because it's like he's sovereign over the, everything except human decisions. Well, what what component of human history do human decisions uh, include? Pretty much all of human history. So 
if God is not sovereign over human decisions in some mysterious way, then mm-hmm. God is not sovereign over human history. Oh, they would say, no, he is because he knows all the outcomes and he works all the situations to his benefit, but he isn't, he's not in control. Mm-hmm. We are in control of history. Um, we are the autonomous agents that are causing our, our, our actions. There you have another philosophical problem. Where do these actions come from? If the will is the source, okay, what is the will? Well, the will is the thing that wills it. Well, well, where, where does the will come from? Where, where does the uh, willing come from? Yeah. Like, so here that, we get, that's a big this, deal. this is a philosophical is a deal, black yeah. hole, right? Okay, yeah. wait, so these choices come from me and me alone, not God. God didn't choose. God didn't uh, impact <laughs> my choice. It came from me only. Okay, where is the me? What is me? Is there another me inside me driving me? Uh, your parents, movies, culture. No, that's influencing <laughs> factors. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, the idea of the free will argument is those are all influencing factors. But the will always has the power to override all those. So mm-hmm. it's always only the will that makes the choice. But then the question is, what is the will? Where does it come from? Where do these choices come from? Mystery. Well, in the Bible, there's only one thing that is self-causing. When Pharaoh asks, who is this God? And God says, I am that I am. I am what I am. Mm -hmm. There is no cause. There is no description. I am the God who is. So the Arminian philosophically paints him into a, himself into a corner because he has to create a God who is self-causing. And also in this God universe, there is all these millions and billions of human beings who are self-causing entities. Mm-hmm. And this idea, this self-causing, self-determining power of the human will, you're just not going to find it in the Bible. It's mm-hmm. just nowhere there. Everywhere where it speaks of creation, it speaks of dependence. We depend on him. We need him. We, we turn to him and we fall apart without him. So on the other hand, in the capitalism theory. Compatibilism. Compatibilism. <laughs> capitalism. Compatibilism theory. Where does the will come from? What is the source? What is it? Right. So again, the will is the power to do what you want to do. So I chose to drove here today. Now, the question behind the scenes of human history is, what are the causative factors behind my choice to come here today? I don't know. But unlike the atheist, I don't say, oh, it's just the biochemical realities in my brain. Uh Because that's a black hole too, see? Both positions, the Reformed and the Armenian, both of them end in a black hole. The problem is, with the Arminian, you end in a black hole of human Mm self-cause. That's the mystery. The mystery ends, it starts with man, and it ends with man. Somehow, we are just self-causing. The Reformed perspective ends with the mystery of God. So, God somehow is orchestrating all events to the glory of his name. So, so the answer is, in some mysterious way... God is involved and causing every single thing that is. So at the end of the day, why did anything happen? Because God is running the show. Because God is running the universe. But then how do I know that I matter? 
because God talks to me, because God came into this world, became a man, and told me that he loves me, and he gave his life. He, he, he bled for my sins. So my basis is not, well, I know I'm human because I have free will. No, I know I'm human because the God of the universe came into this world and died for me. He does not die for puppets. He dies for real people. And the mystery of what it means to be human, I'm going to leave that to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm Ooh. really glad we covered this part. And, you know, I do have an interesting question, but I think we should leave it for later. We are running out of time currently. Uh, and the question is, uh, it's very interesting, but we'll cover it in the next episode. If Sweet. God is already making us do stuff, he's already working in the background, somehow influencing us according to his plan, why doesn't he just take that extra mile and make us fully good? He's already there. Right. How he's could, already how, influencing. If God is good, why did he allow evil? Yeah. You know, in that why scenario. Just and also, evil? I'm really excited to cover how does this impact our ability to believe? Right. Where does that saving faith come from? Yeah. You know, those are really tough questions, but I'm really excited to talk about it at our next episode. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, what are your recommends? Oh, shoot. My recommends. Um, I can go first. If you're looking for a double sink <laughs> vanity for your bathroom, there's a really nice one at Costco for seven ninety nine. And uh, if you're looking, it's a pretty cheap deal. And it looks double really nice. Double sink, seven ninety nine. That's really good, Costco. actually. That's Costco's actually very good. Okay, my recommend is uh, check out your local farms and eat things that are not sprayed with all kinds of uh, preservatives Mm -hmm. that you can find in Fred Meyer Costco. Just go and pick your own blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries. You can only do it once a year. Take advantage. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. Please send your thoughts. What do you think? What are your questions? Uh, Contact us at at wellsaidwords.com. That's the Facebook page or Instagram, the under slash well under slash said, um, or on Twitter or on the website, well dash said dot org and rate us on iTunes, please. Thank you.